Chapter Nine, Section Three, of the Promise of American Life by Herbert Crowley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by the Progressing America Project. Chapter Nine, Section Three, The People and the Nation. At the beginning of this discussion, popular sovereignty was declared to be the essential condition of democracy and a general account of the nature of a constructive democratic ideal can be best brought to a close by a definition of the meaning of the phrase popular sovereignty consistent with a nationalist interpretation of democracy the people are sovereign but who and what are the people and how can a many-headed sovereignty be made to work are we to answer like bismarck that the true people is an invisible multitude of spirits the nation of yesterday and of tomorrow such an answer seems scarcely fair to living people of today. On the other hand, can we reply that the sovereign people is constituted by any chance majority which happens to obtain control of the government, and that the decisions and actions of the majority are inevitably and exceptionally democratic? Such an assertion of the doctrine of popular sovereignty would bestow absolute sovereign authority on merely a part of the people. Majority rule, under certain prescribed conditions, is a necessary constituent of any practicable democratic organization but the actions or decisions of a majority need not have any binding moral and national authority majority rule is merely one means to an extremely difficult remote and complicated end and it is a piece of machinery which is peculiarly liable to get out of order its arbitrary and dangerous tendencies can as a matter of fact be expected in many effectual and legitimate ways of which the most effectual is the cherishing of a tradition partly expressed in some body of fundamental law that the true people are as bismarck declared in some measure an invisible multitude of spirits the nation of yesterday and tomorrow organized for its national historical mission the phrase popular sovereignty is consequently for us americans equivalent to the phrase national sovereignty the people are not sovereign as individuals they are not sovereign in reason and morals even when united into a majority they become sovereign only in so far as they succeed in reaching and expressing a collective purpose but there is no royal or unimpeachable road to the attainment of such a collective will and the best means a democratic people can take in order to assert its sovereign authority with full moral effect is to seek fullness and consistency of national life they are sovereign in so far as they are united in spirit and in purpose and they are united in so far as they are loyal one to another to their joint past and to the promise of their future the promise of their future may sometimes demand the partial renunciation of their past and the partial sacrifice of certain present interests but the inevitable friction of all such sacrifices can be mitigated by mutual loyalty and good faith sacrifices of tradition and interest can only be demanded in case they contribute to the national purpose to the gradual creation of a higher type of individual and associated life hence it is that an effective increase in national coherence looks in the direction of the democratic consummation of the morally and intellectually authoritative expression of the sovereign popular will both the forging and the functioning of such a will are constructively related to the gradual achievement of the work of individual and social amelioration undesirable and inadequate forms of democracy always seek to dispense in one way or another with this tedious process of achieving a morally authoritative sovereign will 
we americans have identified democracy with certain existing political and civil rights and we have consequently tended to believe that the democratic consummation was merely a matter of exercising and preserving those rights the grossest form of this error was perpetrated when stephen a douglas confused authoritative popular sovereignty with the majority vote of a few hundred squatters in a frontier state and asserted that on democratic principles such expressions of the popular will should be accepted as final but an analogous mistake lurks in all static forms of democracy the bestowal and the exercise of political and civil rights are merely a method of organization which if used in proper subordination to the ultimate democratic purpose may achieve in action something of the authority of the popular sovereign will but to cleave to the details of such an organization as the very essence of democracy is utterly to pervert the principle of national democratic sovereignty from this point of view the bourbon who wishes the existing system with its maladaptations and contradictions preserved in all its lack of integrity commits an error analogous to that of the radical who wishes by virtue of a majority vote immediately to destroy some essential part of the fabric both of them conceive that the whole moral and national authority of the democratic principle can be invoked in favor of institutions already in existence or of purposes capable of immediate achievement on the other hand there are democrats who would seek to consummate democracy without the use of any political machinery the idea that a higher type of associated life can be immediately realized by a supreme act of faith must always be tempting to men who unite social aspirations with deep religious faith it is a more worthy and profound conception of democracy than the conventional american one of a system of legally constituted and equally exercised rights fatally resulting in material prosperity before any great stride can be made towards a condition of better democracy a constructive democratic movement must obtain more effective support both from scientific discipline and religious faith nevertheless the triumph of tolstoyan democracy at the present moment would be more pernicious in its results than the triumph of jeffersonian democracy tolstoy has merely given a fresh and exalted version of the old doctrine of non-resistance which as it was proclaimed by jesus referred in the most literal way to another world in this world faith cannot dispense with power and organization the sudden and immediate conversion of unregenerate men from a condition of violence selfishness and sin into a condition of beatitude and brotherly love can obtain even comparative permanence only by virtue of exclusiveness the religious experience of our race has sufficiently testified to the permanence of the law one man can be evangelized for a lifetime a group of men can be evangelized for many years multitudes of men can be evangelized only for a few hours no faith can achieve comparatively stable social conquests without being established by habit defined by thought and consolidated by organization usually the faith itself subsequently sickens of the bad air it breathes into its own house indeed it is certain to lose initiative and vigor unless it can appeal intermediately to some correlative source of enthusiasm and devotion but with the help of efficient organization it may possibly survive whereas in the absence of such a worldly body it must in a worldly sense inevitably perish democracy as a living movement in the direction of human brotherhood has required like other faiths an efficient organization and a root in ordinary human nature 
and it obtains such an organization by virtue of the process of national development on condition of course that the nation is free to become a genuine and thoroughgoing democracy a democracy organized into a nation and imbued with the national spirit will seek by means of experimentation and discipline to reach the object which tolstoy would reach by an immediate and a miraculous act of faith the exigencies of such schooling frequently demand severe coercive measures but what schooling does not a nation cannot merely discharge its unregenerate citizens and the best men in a nation or in any political society cannot evade the responsibility which the fact of human unregeneracy places upon the whole group after men had reached a certain stage of civilization they frequently began to fear that the rough conditions of political association excluded the highest and most fruitful forms of social life and they sought various ways of improving the quality of the association by narrowing its basis they tried to found small communities of saints which were connected exclusively by moral and religious bonds and who in this way freed themselves from the hazards the distraction and the violence inseparable from political association such communities have made at different times great successes but their success has not been permanent the political aspect of associated life is not to be evaded in proportion as political organization gained in prosperity efficiency and dignity special religious associations lost their independence and power even the most powerful religious association in the world the catholic church has been fighting a losing battle with political authority and it is likely in the course of time to occupy in relation to the political powers a position analogous to that of the greek or the english church the ultimate power to command must rest with that authority which if necessary can force people to obey and any plan of association which seeks to ignore the part which physical force plays in life is necessarily incomplete just as formerly the irresponsible and meaningless use of political power created the need of special religious associations independent of the state so now the responsible the purposeful and the efficient use of physical force characteristic of modern nations has in its turn made such independence less necessary and tends to attach a different function to the church a basis of association narrower than the whole complex of human powers and interests will not serve national organization provides such a basis the perversity of human nature may cause its ultimate failure but it will not fail because it omits any essential constituent in the composition of a permanent and fruitful human association so far as it fulfills its responsibilities it guarantees protection against predatory powers at home and abroad it provides in appropriate measure for individual freedom for physical moral and intellectual discipline and for social consistency it has prizes to offer as well as coercion to exercise and with its foundations planted firmly in the past its windows and portals look out towards a better future the tendency of its normal action is continually if very slowly to diminish the distance between the ideal of human brotherhood and the political economic and social conditions under which at any one time men manage to live together that is the truth to which the patriotic americans should firmly cleave the modern nation particularly in so far as it is constructively democratic constitutes the best machinery as yet developed for raising the level of human association it really teaches men how they must feel what they must think and what they must do in order that they may live together amicably and profitably 
the value of this school for its present purposes is increased by its very imperfections because its imperfections issue inevitably from the imperfections of human nature men being as unregenerate as they are all worthy human endeavor involves consequences of battle and risk the heroes of the struggle must maintain their achievements and at times even promote their objects by compulsion the policeman and the soldier will continue for an indefinite period to be guardians of the national schools and the nations have no reason to be ashamed of this fact it is merely symbolic of the very comprehensiveness of their responsibilities that they have to deal with the problem of human inadequacy and unregeneracy in all its forms that they cannot evade this problem by allowing only the good boys to attend school that they cannot even mitigate it by drawing too sharp a distinction between the good boys and the bad such indiscriminate attendance in these national schools if it is to be edifying involves one practical consequence of dominant importance everybody within the schoolhouse masters teachers pupils and janitors old pupils and young good pupils and bad must feel one to another an indestructible loyalty such loyalty is merely the subjective aspect of their inevitable mutual association it is merely the recognition that as a worldly body they must all live or die and conquer or fail together the existence of an invincible loyalty is the condition of a perpetuity of the school the man who believes himself wise is always tempted to ignore or undervalue the foolish brethren the man who believes himself good is always tempted actively to dislike the perverse brethren the man who insists at any cost upon having his own way is always twisting the brethren into his friends or his enemies but the teaching of the national school constantly tends to diminish these causes of disloyalty its tendency is to convert traditional patriotism into a patient devotion to the national ideal and into a patient loyalty towards one's fellow countrymen as the visible and inevitable substance through which that ideal is to be expressed in the foregoing characteristic of a democratic nation we reach the decisive difference between a nation which is seeking to be wholly democratic and a nation which is content to be semi-democratic in a semi-democratic nation devotion to the national ideal does not to the same extent sanctify the citizen's relation in feeling and in idea to his fellow countrymen the loyalty demanded by the national ideal of such a country may imply a partial disloyalty and suspicious attitude towards large numbers of political associates the popular and the national interests must necessarily in some measure diverge in a nationalized democracy or a democratic nation the corresponding dilemma is mitigated the popular interest can only be efficiently expressed in a national policy and organization the national interest is merely a more coherent and ameliorating expression of the popular interest its consistency so far as it is consistent is the reflection of a more humanized condition of human nature it increases with the increasing power of its citizens to deal fairly and to feel loyally towards their fellow countrymen and it cannot increase except through the overthrow of the obstacles to fair dealing and loyal feeling the responsibility and loyalty which the citizens of a democratic nation must feel one towards another is comprehensive and unmitigable but the actual behavior which at any one time the national welfare demands must of course be specially and carefully discriminated national policies and acts will be welcome to some citizens and obnoxious to others according to their special interests and opinions 
and the citizens whose interests and ideas are prejudiced thereby will have every right and should be permitted every opportunity to protest in the most vigorous and persistent manner the nation may however on its part demand that these protests in order to be heeded and respected must conform to certain conditions they must not be carried to the point of refusing obedience to the law when private interests are injured by the national policy the protestants must be able to show either that such injuries are unnecessary or else they involve harm to an essential public interest all such protest must find an ultimate sanction in a group of constructive democratic ideas finally the protest must never be made the excuse for personal injustice or national disloyalty even if the national policy should betray indifference to the fundamental interests of a democratic nation as did that of the united states from eighteen twenty to eighteen sixty the obligation of patient good faith on the part of the protestants is not diminished their protests may be as vivacious and as persistent as the error demands the supporters of the erroneous policy may be made the object of most drastic criticism and the uncompromising exposure no effort should be spared to secure the adoption of a more genuinely national policy but beyond all this there remains a still deeper responsibility that of dealing towards one's fellow countrymen in good faith so that differences of interest of conviction and of moral purpose can be made the agency of a better understanding and a firmer loyalty if a national policy offends the integrity of the national idea as for a while that of the american nation did its mistake is sure to involve certain disastrous consequences and those consequences constitute usually the vehicle of necessary national discipline the national school is of course the national life so far as the school is properly conducted the methods of instruction are if you please pedagogic but if the masters are blind or negligent or if the scholars are unruly there remains as a resource the more painful and costly methods of nature's instruction a serious error will be followed by its inevitable penalty proportioned to the blindness and the perversity in which it originated and thereafter the prosperity of the country's future will hang partly on the ability of the national intelligence to trace the penalty to its cause and to fix the responsibility no matter how loyal the different members of a national body may be one to another their mutual good faith will bleed to death unless some among them have the intelligence to trace their national ills to their appropriate causes and the candid courage to advocate the necessary remedial measures at some point in the process disinterested patriotism and good faith must be reinforced by intellectual insight a people are saved many costly perversions in case the official schoolmasters are wise and the pupils neither truant nor insubordinate but if the lessons are foolishly phrased or if the pupils refuse to learn the school will never regain its proper disciplinary value until new teachers have arisen who understand both the error and its consequences and who can exercise an effective authority over their pupils the mutual loyalty and responsibility consequently embodied and inculcated in a national school depends for its efficient expression upon the amount of insight and intelligence which it involves the process of national education means not only a discipline of the popular will but training and ability to draw inferences from the national experience so that the national consciousness will gradually acquire an edifying state of mind towards its present and future problems those problems are always closely allied 
to the problems which have been more or less completely solved during the national history and the body of practical lessons which can be inferred from that history is that the best possible preparation for present and future from that history is the best possible preparation for present and future emergencies such history requires close and exact reading the national experience is always strangely mixed even the successes of our own past such as the federal organization contain much dubious matter demanding the most scrupulous disentanglement even the worst enemies of our national integrity such as the southern planters offer in some respects an edifying political example to a disinterested democracy nations do not have to make serious mistakes in order to learn valuable lessons every national action no matter how trivial which is scrutinized with candor may contribute to the stock of national intellectual discipline the result of which should be to form a constantly more coherent whole out of the several elements in the national composition out of the social and economic conditions the stock of national options and the essential national ideal and it is this essential national ideal which makes it undesirable for the national consciousness to dwell too much on the past or to depend too much upon the lessons of experience alone the great experience given to a democratic nation must be just an incorrigible but patient attempt to realize its democratic ideal an attempt which must mold history as well as hang upon its lessons the function of the patriotic political intelligence in relation to the fulfillment of the national promise must be to devise means for its redemption means which have their relations to the past their suitability to the occasion and their contribution towards a step in advance the work is both critical experienced and purposeful mistakes will be made and their effects either corrected or turned to good account successes will be achieved and their effects must be coolly appraised and carefully discriminated the task will never be entirely achieved but the tedious and laborious advance will for every generation be a triumphant affirmation of the nationalized democratic ideal as the one really adequate political and social principle end of chapter nine